Unprecedented episode of Knights of the Video Game Table podcast. Because in over 160 episodes, actually, I think it's over 170, Patrick has been present, but he is not this week. So I've actually decided not to make this an official numbered episode in honor of him and make this actually a special. So this is the cult classic video games uh, special episode. I'm actually joined today by a very last minute by John, who was on our podcast a few weeks ago and just happens to be my wife's brother. Hi, John. Hi. Uh, yeah, he was on, what, maybe three or four episodes ago. It wasn't that long ago. It was the Marvel episode. That was for my other podcast. You were on a, You were on one of these podcasts, too. Oh, I don't remember. I think so, anyway. If not, then this is John, and, and uh, welcome him to the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, so this episode is going to be a top ten um, cult classic video games. Uh, this list was from WatchMojo.com, where they have a lot of videos and top ten lists. Uh, I actually liked this one a lot. I don't like a lot of top ten video or, or top ten game lists, especially. Uh, I did agree with this one to a good um, percentage. I know that there's other games that I even I would put on this list, um, and especially ones from the pre-Polygon um, era, like uh, Sega Genesis and and before that. But I think it's a pretty good list, and we're just going to go through them, starting at number ten. Uh, and just to let the audience know, I know very little about these games. Um, I mean, I know enough about them to talk about them. And John really doesn't know anything about them. So <laughs> it's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be a really fun episode. <laughs> uh, so number 10 is Spec Ops The Line from 2012. It was inspired by Heart of Darkness. And it's a very smart and insightful story in the sand-covered city of Dubai. Uh, basically, this is a first-person shooter, and it plays just like a normal first-person shooter, but it's very, um, the story is where it, it really takes off. It's a very good story. It's a very solid story. You care about the characters, and you care about uh, the story, what happens. And um, basically, oh, before before we get into it anymore, I will have links to all these games, plus I'll have the video that I got this from on the show notes. Uh, number nine, uh, unless you have anything to add about that one, John. Uh, the game really looks really solid. I mean, the graphics looks nice. Yeah, um, and it's only two years old. Um, yeah, and I'm which, actually surprised that it looks... Which is a little surprised that I've never really heard of it. I, I've heard it mentioned, but... Uh, and just like Heart of Darkness I've heard, but I've never played them, never even really looked into them. Uh, this next one is actually a personal favorite of mine from... Xbox 360, early days of Xbox 360, I was actually working at Electronic Arts when they released this, and this mirrors Edge at number 9 in 2008. Yeah, this is a first-person platformer parkour game. Absolute beautiful graphics. I believe they're cel-shaded. They might not be, but if not, they, they're they hand-drawn. Um, and you're, you're the main character. It's a first-person platformer. You're, the main character is a woman who is part of a... Um, underground movement and it's kind of like a utopian future game storyline where the big brother government is you know doing bad things and you're trying to help stop them um 
And most of the combat is actually through the parkour system. Most of the time when you take someone down, you don't take them down with a gun, although you do get a gun once in a while, but you get very little ammo. Most of the time it's like jumping off of a building and kicking them or something like that. And then, or running past them, or, uh, you know, you have to hit the punch button at the right time to hit them or dodge or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's more of a free running, not free running, yeah, free running game. Jumping, jumping the buildings. Jumping, building the building, inside windows, walking on, you know, ledges and all that stuff. It's an awesome game. Even if you have to go back and buy a uh, Xbox, you're interested in this game, it's well worth it. A really fun game. And Mirror's Edge 2 has been announced and supposed to come out, but we'll see if that ever happens. At number 8, we have Enslaved Odyssey to the West. This is an interesting one. This was from 2010, and it was actually a reimagining of a Chinese novel with the same, na- uh, well, with the name Journey to the West. The game takes place 150 years in our future, where humans have been almost wiped out and almost totally extinct by robots, and the last remaining humans are actually fighting the last remaining robots. It's kind of like uh, the robots killed the humans, but then no one was there to take care of the robots, so they started, you know, being breaking down so now there's only a few humans left and only a few robots left but they're the robots are bad humans are good trying to survive the game it, uh, go ahead it kind of reminds me like a outside like a matrix but without the whole earth being destroyed yeah in, in a way <laughs> that's a good point um it's it's a combat platformer game uh that combines both very well it almost had the look of um, a Dynasty Warrior game, but not the gameplay. And not the where you have thousands of enemies coming at you at once. More like, um, you know, you have a few enemies coming at you once, and but and the combat is really solid. That's, that's what's really good. There is some platforming elements, but it's almost like an open world in some ways. Um, it kind of reminded me of... I don't remember that game that came out a few years ago. Um, oh, I'm going to forget, and then it's just going to be a bad podcasting. So let me just move on. To number seven. This is a game I've heard of and I've heard great things about but never played. Vampire, The Masquerade Bloodlines. This is from 2004 and it was actually released as an unfinished project because the studio could not afford to continue and the public wanted the game still. Unfortunately, due to poor sales because it was released unfinished, the studio had to close down. However, since then, fans have been releasing mods and patches that have made the game a modern, um, complete open-world RPG. So basically, the community took what was a very basic but good game and made it into a complete, full, very satisfying game. And it's really cool. Um, so I, I, like I said, it's an open-world RPG, and it relies... Because you're, you're a vampire, but if you use your vampire powers in front of civilians then you get penalized. You, It didn't exactly say what, but you, you can't do that, basically. So what this does is it actually combines, or it uses um, stealth and action together. So when no one else is around, you have to attack. You can use your vamp, vamp, vampiric powers, um, and it's action. But when bystanders are around, and you can't let them see you, so you use stealth. And there's, like, lock picking and a lot like that. It looked really cool. Uh, I'm assuming this is for PC, so if you have a chance to get your hands on it with all the mods and everything, uh, I'm sure the graphics look good even for today's standard with mods these days. I mean, you take a look. 
Go it looks a little bit like uh, the Borderlands uh, graphics. I mean, a little bit, not quite um, as realistic, but it looks it looks very nice. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm actually thinking about looking into just seeing if I can try this out sometime. <clears throat> All right, next at what are we number six? And this is actually probably my favorite on the list. I know I said that about a couple other ones, but and I'll say it about the next one after this, but. This game is one of those games that deserved a 9.5 or 10 out of 10. It deserved to sell a lot of copies, but didn't. And that's Okami um, in 2006. Originally released on the PlayStation 2, and then re-released, remade on the DS. It is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful game. Possibly one of the most beautiful games uh, of its time. And if it was remade today on the on PS4 or uh, Xbox One, I think it would be the most beautiful game out there. It's inspired by the Japanese watercolor paintings, which are very famous uh, for Japanese, in, especially in the 1800s and early 1900s, and way before that, too. Um, and But the gameplay is surprisingly inspired by Legend of Zelda. And it actually really does play like a Legend of Zelda game. Um, you know, you go into a dungeon or area, you have to collect the, I think it was the, it's a compass first, and then you collect the key, and then you open the door, and you have to collect a big key, and then you get a new item, such as um, in Zelda you might get the boots or a new sword. In Okami, you get new painting strokes. And the way the painting strokes work is, um, for example, if you're one one that you start out with, you're in the middle of a field, and on Zelda, you know, you just take your sword and swipe all the uh, plants down. In this game, you just you it, the action pauses, and then you use the controller to swipe a um, paintbrush across the screen, and it cuts down all the uh, all the bushes, and you get all the items. Now, you'd think that this would be a really cool concept for the DS, but it just never worked, um, unfortunately, because, like I said, it's a great game. Another one, definitely, if you ever have a chance to, to play it, definitely definitely play it. All right, we're getting down to the second half. Number five, Conker's Bad Fur Day. This is 2001 on the N64. This is, hands down, at least in my opinion, the best N64 game out there. Because this is the most raunchy, this is the most crazy platformer ever, in my opinion. You, The main character is a foul-mouthed squirrel with drinking problems. Who would have <laughs> ever thought that Rare, the company responsible for a lot of the more um, innocent games of Nintendo, would, be, would actually come out with something like this? Um, well, I'm going to actually have a sound clip right now. I am the great mighty Pooh, and I'm going to throw my shit at you. A huge supply of tish comes from my chocolate starfish. How about some scat, you little twat? And that sound clip, if you didn't get it, was from... Unfortunately, John doesn't get to hear it, but uh, was actually from uh, one of the bosses who was a big, massive um, piece of poo. And you had to fight him, and you had to kill the poo, and you had to flush him down. 
the I mean, I'm talking about the whole game is filled with this stuff. There's a scene that, um, and some of it you can say is in bad taste, or most of it actually. There's a scene where they reenact uh, D-Day on uh, the beaches, and you actually are one of them. And instead of humans, it's squirrels, but you're actually fighting your way through the beaches and, and everything. And yeah, I mean, you die a lot in this game. In that scene, I mean, you can get shot in the head, you can get shot in the body, and I mean, it's bloody too. Um, it was remade a few years later. I think it was for the GameCube, I want to say. Um, I'm not sure. What, it, I think it was the GameCube, but it was... Or maybe... No, no, no. It was Xbox. I'm sorry. Uh, it was it was censored, and they took away a lot of what made the game so good, and it just didn't do as good. It's the same gameplay, but it just didn't do as well. Um, so definitely, if you can get a, your hands on the N64 version... Or just go Google it because, or YouTube it because it's definitely worth checking out if you've never heard it. And by the way, the Xbox game was called Conquer Live and Reloaded. That's right, it was. Yeah, thank you. See, that's why I have you around, John. All right, number four, Stalker: Shadow of Chernobyl. This is from 2007. This is one on the list that I had never heard of at all. So apparently, this takes place sometime in the future, and a second magical based meltdown happened at Chernobyl. You wake up and you have no memories of who you are or where you came from and you are a scavenger that is tasked with scavenging scavenging the uh, meltdown area in Chernobyl for anything that you can that you can bring back and give to uh, the person who's who's telling you what to do. Um, they also give you tasks uh, and you, you know you're basically Doing what they're, whatever it says on your cell phone. Um, the game, remi- it's, it's a FPS RPG survival game. It actually reminds me a little bit, actually a good amount of um, uh, uh, the Fallout games. Fallout 3 and Fallout uh, New Vegas and, and those games. It really reminds me of those because you actually have to watch your radiation level. You have to watch your bleeding level. You watch, have to watch your hunger level. And you're basically in a... Even though it's a meltdown area, post-apocalyptic area, it's very similar. Even though the landscape looks very similar and the gameplay seems a little bit similar. This is one that is pretty high on this list. Definitely worth the check out if, you, if you're into that kind of stuff. Number three, Beyond Good and Evil from 2003. Now this is a game that I'm pretty sure any gamer who's, who's been paying attention has heard about. So in other words, John probably hasn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so Beyond Good and Evil is one of those games that, like I said, a lot of people have heard about, but no one has really played, uh, including myself. I, uh, I've never played this game. Watched videos on it. I have heard a lot about it, but never played it. It is a game about a woman who is trying to solve a issue that I forgot exactly what it was. I should have looked it up. Um, she's trying to stop someone from... Destroying the world or, or something like that. and But at the same time, she lives it's a planet, in... A, it's a planet-wide alien conspiracy. Alien, so that's a, what it was. Thank you. So she's a, like a journalist. Oh, yeah. But she, she's, she's also, at the same time, trying to keep her orphanage that she grew up in from going bankrupt and closing. So it's like, it's like a weird mix of comedy and seriousness. Um, the gameplay is, is a cross between stealth, martial arts, um, platformer. So, you know, again, kind of like the one we talked about earlier where uh, the vampire one, when you're fighting, you use your martial arts, but a lot of times you're sneaking around and avoiding conflict. 
Um, there's also some elements, like I said, she needs, she's doing something to get money so the orphanage doesn't close, close down. And one of the things that you actually do is you go around taking photographs of different parts of, of your, your adventure, I guess you could say, and selling them for money, and then you give that money to the orphanage. Um, there's also a lot of puzzles, uh, and the, the video said that one of the best parts about the puzzles on here is that, or, I mean, the story is that it brings in a lot of NPCs into the game that basically make you really feel like you're part of something. You're part of this underground movement. You're part of this uh, this conspiracy. And um, a lot of the puzzles are like you you have to wait for another character to join you, or you know um, they're already with you, but then they you have to discover like part one of a puzzle, and then they like oh yeah, and then they help you. Uh, if you ever played uh, Army of Two, it was kind of that same way. In single player mode, it was like, "Oh, we need to do this," and it's like you have to figure out how to start doing that, and then they're gonna help. They're gonna do the other half. Uh, so it's really cool. Heard a lot about this game. Definitely one of those to check out. I know I've been saying that about all of them. You know, you'd think I haven't been podcasting longer with how horrible this is going. All right, we're down to the last two. Number two is American McGee's Alice. So, you know, if you're a fan of Alice in Wonderland, then you probably would love this game. That is, if you love twisted horror and dark, dark versions of Alice. Basically, the story goes that Alice has gone insane, and everything that happens actually happens in her mind. It's a, a psychological horror thriller game. Well, not thriller game, horror game. Where you take the role of Alice in Wonderland, and you're basically fighting your way through. Um, some of the things that I saw was she has like a, a blade or, or a sword of some sorts and she's like killing the cards from the queen's um, deck. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. It is definitely a horror game. And this isn't the first Alice that has come out that's horror. I mean, if you really think about it, the story, even the Disney version was kind of messed up in, anyway. So a lot of people have kind of built on that over the years. I know Patrick, uh, I don't know if he ever played this game, but I know Patrick would love this game because him and his wife both love Alice uh, in Wonderland, especially when it gets into Alice in Wonderland being psycho and insane. It's supposed to be a sequel to the Alice novels. So. Oh, really? So it takes place after? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. She's gone insane because she went there probably. All right, number one game on this list of cult classics. Come is- on. The oldest in the bunch, and that was from 1998, and if you've heard of this game, it's probably no surprise to you, Grim Fandango. This is another one that I have heard loads about, but have never played. It's a point-and-click game, which, you know, most of the time is very bad, but it's a point-and-click game that's really good, and um, it basically takes place in a reimagined version of the afterlife. So all the characters are actually skeletons. And it's set in a, a crime noir theme. Meaning, you know, um, I don't know if the main character is like a detective, but that's kind of the vibe you get is, you know, you're helping like a PI, you're kind of helping solve like Casablanca. mysteries. Yeah, like Casablanca. That's a good, good way to put it. Um, and also, the good thing about this, it's an old game, so it's hard to get and it, the graphics aren't that good. They they didn't help, held up too well. But there's a remastered version that has just recently came out 
on Steam, PlayStation 4, and uh, the PlayStation Vita. And that game is very good. It's updated graphics and everything. So if you're interested in this game, that's the way to go. Is either Steam, PS4, or Vita. Um, and again, this is this is probably no surprise to anybody who has been paying attention to video game media for any length of time because this game always comes up when when you think of games that were really good and deserved more um, uh, more spotlight. Yep. All right. Well, that was. It for the countdown. Um, I know this is a short episode. I, you know, I just wanted to get something out because it had been too long since we had an episode. Um, so I thank you, John, for joining me. I know it was real short notice. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, and we will be back with our regularly scheduled episodes really soon. Uh, hopefully next week. If not, maybe I'll do another one of these countdowns. Let me know on Facebook. Um, or show notes or email what you think about this if you like this or if we if you want us to do this kind of thing more uh let us know um and you can do that in different ways like i said we are on facebook facebook.com slash kvgt podcast you can email us at kvgt04 at gmail.com the website is kvgt podcast.com uh you can even get a hold of us on twitter um you can get a hold of me personally at soul scribbler or the show itself at uh, KVGT Podcast. Um, yeah, and that's it. If, if this is your first episode, it's a little different. We usually do more news and everything. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, RSS feeds, uh, Stitcher, basically anywhere you can get podcasting, we're there. Um, and the people usually talks a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, and we are having some exciting guests coming up. Um, who I can't name yet. 